0: Delay. Okay, so uh, Sefer Shmos, Sefer Shmos, very exciting. We can start talking about different people, which is always nice. I mean, we can still talk about Yaakov and Yosef if you want. But
1: Do you know my kids came long. home with the answer about um, Ephraim and Menashe? Yeah, what did they say? They said, "Well, well, you see the bracha. You say the bracha with their names because they were the they were the only brothers at that time." That's yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that was like the yeshiva answer. You're like, that's what we tell the
0: kids. So <laughs> I like it anyways. But it's <laughs> awesome. see, there you go. I didn't make it up, or we all made it up, but no, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so how can you talk, I mean, it's not true, you can talk, you can miss, there's a hundred things to talk about this week. There are a hundred different, uh, different, different things we could go at this week, but one thing yeah, I haven't spoken about, I think, in a bunch of years is the, is the, the bush, the sneh. Um and I want to talk about, we'll see a couple of things that go on in the sneh, and how they, uh, you know, how they play out, and how they confuse us a little bit let's just look at the story first and then we'll do what we usually do. Um, source number one, So Moshe was a shepherd, right? He was shepherding Yisro's, uh, Yisro's uh, flock. He, would take, he took this, the flock out the, into the desert. And he gets to, he gets to What's Har Choreva? What Har is that? What mountain is that? What mountain is called Chorev? Harsinai. Harsinai is referred to as Kharev later. So it's interesting. Like, it's not like this big secret that uh, he was at Harsinai and he doesn't come back to Harsinai. But um, that's where he is. So he's out there somewhere in the desert and uh, he ends up at, at this place called Hare Elokim, Hareva. Uh, and I, a, an angel of Hashem appears to him in a flame... From a bush, like within a bush. <speaking in Hebrew> he looks and he sees this miraculous thing that there's a a, a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Fine. mosha <speaking in Hebrew> And Moshe says, well, let me let me Asurana how would you translate that? Let me turn over, let me come closer, let me go look to see what, what is going on here, right? This is like very strange, She says. It's like a weird thing. Why is it, why is it not burning up, right? It, it's almost like he sees a fire, but he sees like the fire is separate from the bush, but it's in the bush. That's so very bizarre, obviously. It looks very strange to him. And what does Hashem see? That, he, that he's paying attention Right. Hashem notices that he's paying attention. So Hashem then calls out to him from inside the snare. He calls out to him and he says, yeah, okay, I'm here. I'm here, God. Hineni. Hinani is, used, right? Hineini is a, a word that's used throughout the Torah. For we have Avraham tells Yitzchak, to Avraham. Dad, what's going on? He says, Hineni. right, Yaakov calls Yosef over to go visit his brothers. He calls him over, come here. He says, Hineni. Hineni is one of those, like, I'm here to do whatever you want. That's what Hineni always means. Like, I'm here, whatever you Mm -hmm. say. I'm ready for you. Okay. Vayomer. I always wonder, like, did did he say the word Hineni? Or did he give over the message of Hineni? Mm -hmm. You know, like, did the Torah use that word over and over again to reflect the same willingness or did does, did Moshe Bader use that word? I don't know, but it's interesting. Fine. Anyways, Vayomer <laughs> al So he, he says, "Don't come close." Take your shoes off, because the place that you are standing on is a holy place. Fine. And then he gives an introduction, tells them who he is. Receive, hmm? who, who who he is? I'm God, etc. I'm the God of your fathers, etc. 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 Fine. So I'll throw it out to you guys. Anything about, I mean, there's a lot of things, about this back and forth that is a little bit funny or strange or even that catches your eye. is walking by and he sees a Malach Hashem in the fire. And he sees this snare and he doesn't understand what's going on. So he says, I'm going to come see, I'm going to like turn and see what's going on here. Right? And Hashem sees that He turned to him, and then He responds. What's the implication?
1: That
0: He wouldn't have said anything if Moshe hadn't. Heard. Moshe would have walked like he by. Could have just walked by Moshe would have, would have walked, walked by. <laughs> Hashem would have said, "Okay, not the guy." I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but that's the implication. Hashem saw Hashem saw that He noticed. Okay, and presumably, when when Moshe decides to be sarlios, what does he do physically? Presumably. If he wants to see better. He gets closer. And Hashem saw that, he, that he's interested and that he's coming closer, and that's how Hashem decides to talk to him, right? And what's the first thing Hashem says to him? Back away. It's kind of, it's kind of backwards, you no? Know? I mean, no pun intended, right? Hashem baits him, basically, to see if he's going to pay attention. He then pays attention and comes closer, and God says, Whoa, not so close. It's a, little, it's a little funny. Right? It's a little funny. Okay. And then he says to him, take off your shoes. Right? Not only should you not come close, take off your shoes, you can't even, you know, stay where you are. That you know, recognize the place that you are, that you are in. Because right? this is an Amas Kod issue. Fine. So that's one thing that's kind of funny. That Hashem, well, maybe it's two things, right? One is that God doesn't call him over right away. And then, and then by the way, Moshe, once Moshe comes closer, and he says, Moshe... Moshe, Moshe, he says, hineni, and then he says, whoa, not so fast, right? So so he kind of pulls him in, not calling him over, and he waits for him to notice. Then once he notices and comes closer, God says, not so fast. And then they're ready to have a conversation. Fine, and take off your shoes. So, A, why doesn't he call him over? He wants Moshe. Call Moshe. Call him over. B, if he wants him to come to pay attention, he's happy he's paying attention. In fact, the only reason he talks to him is because he's paying attention, why is he then tell them to back off? A funny thing to say to him. Um, removing the shoes maybe doesn't bother us so much because we're used to that. Maybe why? Where else do people remove their shoes? What's another example of people who have to remove their shoes? Oh,
1: that's
0: interesting. We're actually gonna see. A, we're, actually gonna see we're actually gonna see. We're actually gonna see a connection to chalitza. <laughs> We're going to see a connection, hopefully. Okay. We'll see Reino you actually talks about Chalitza a little bit, actually, okay. also. Yes, if you don't do Yibum, mm-hmm. a person dies and, is, and, he, and he has no children, so the brother-in-law either marries her, right? Either marries the, the wife or he takes off her shoe. Or he takes off her shoe, sorry. And uh, she spits on the ground. And you're, not, you're not building your father's house. But that's called Chalitza, it's removing the shoes. But where else do people remove their shoes? To this day, people remove their shoes. Or we should remove their leather shoes? So Mkippur and Tishabov. Morning. M- morning
1: water places places water. where people go
0: places where people go
1: in Israel one of the is it maris if you go to the
0: the oh. if you go up to Harbaish you can wear like you know kipper shoes you can't yeah. wear shoes in the Harbaish why not it's holy I must go to mm-hmm. shoe right it's a holy place and who didn't wear shoes when they did the avoda? the Kohanim all the Kohanim correct when they were going to the base of midrash, Kohanim would always do the avoda without their shoes so we'll have to see what's in and taking off the shoes why that's important taking off the shoes
1: Kind of mm-hmm. like, but, so
0: then why do, we, like, why do we specifically wear shoes when we daven? Because <clears> we have a halacha that when we daven we wear shoes. It's right. a good question. Presumably that's because it's like seen as like a, a respectful, it's like a respectful thing to wear shoes. But you're right, if you would go into the Be'es Amid, that's you wouldn't wear shoes. I wonder like when Chana went into daven in the Mishkan, like, she take her shoes off? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, but, but, but you're right. It's interesting that we are... We are careful to wear shoes when we dive in, right? You have to wear socks at least, something, right? So that it's like respectful. But uh that's respectful clothing for going in front of the king. Nevertheless, when we go on the base of Middash, we don't, right? Because you're in the onus Kodesh. But
1: still for Birkhas Kohanam, they take off
0: their Correct, clothes. for Birkas Kohanim to take off their shoes. That's for the Kohanim have to be very careful to make sure they wear the right socks. That's the wrong day to have a hole in your sock. Um, <laughs> My
1: friends have funny
0: socks. Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have. The Rosenfeld boys have good socks. That's yeah. you know, <laughs> important. They, they want to get up and be, uh, they're going to do and You've got have good socks. But, uh, but yes, but, it's, but, but when you do the Quran, take off, off your shoes. Fine. Good. So that, that good. Any other, anything else bother anybody? I just have a theory why he says get close and then step off. Yeah. Like, you know, come close, but don't get too
1: comfortable because
0: I'm still Hashem. Ah. All right, that's going to maybe, maybe be part of the messaging.
1: Boundary. You know? The boundary. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you can come yeah. close, but I want you to understand something. I'm the boss. You're never, I'm the boss, right? right? Close, but not that close. Yeah. Right? It's close, but respectfully close, maybe. Right? It's the starting, parenting he's, yeah parenting no. Right. He's starting. to
1: come close. I love you. Close, but not I'm best here. friend. Not friends. Yeah, right. but
0: right, right. I'm not your friends. I'm your parents. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Right. COVID, right. COVID. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> close, not too close. Yeah, there you go. Um, right. And, and maybe I think also one of the things I think that bothers a lot of people is, and this is something I'm just used to seeing, and we're not gonna talk about it too much, um, but that is why what why of all imagery God could have come to Moshe in anything. And why specifically he chooses this snap, right? This thing that's burning, but it's not really burning, it's not getting destroyed. There's a lot of discussion about that. We're talking about that less. We'll see if we get to that a little bit today, but um, but fine. There's one other thing that I think is interesting to note, and we're gonna see it in some conversation about it also. When who calls out to, or who reveals themselves to Moshe first? Pasuk Bet. Oh. It's a Malach. Right? Not a Malach. We, we don't think of it as a Malach. We always think, who talked to him? Hashem. Hashem. Now Hashem sounds like Val Kilmer, right? In, uh, right? you know That was a big discussion, how to do that, right? I think it was him, right? In uh, the Prince of Egypt. But it starts with Malach Hashem. Malach Hashem. I think in future movies, they did like a conglomerate of, of right. voices or something. Like, but, um, but fine. So Malach Hashem first, but then what happens? Most of the time I, I want to see, and then what happens? Hashem mm-hmm. So a lot of the are fresh. Is it Hashem talking? Is it the Malach talking? When the Malach talks, it's called Elohim. Fine. Just another interesting thing to point. Fine. So let's take a look a little bit and see what we can do with some of these questions and see if we can get a little perspective as to why this has to be Moshe's first experience with Hashem and what, it, what it's supposed to mean. Rashi says like this, source number two, Asura not V'ereh. What does it mean, Asura not Source number two, Asura Mikan L'Hit Karev sham. I'm going to, Hasiru sometimes means like remove, right? I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to come closer Closer. I'm gonna come closer. I want to. Say, that's what most of us do, right? We see something that we're interested in, and we come closer. So Moshe Rabenu says, right, "Let me come a little closer." Fine. The Ramban says something interesting. Also, so look at the Ramban source number three. Ramban writes, "Altikrav halom." So Hashem says then once Moshe starts to come closer, Hashem says, "Don't come so close." Adayin Moshe, Beinu we know, is the greatest Navi that ever existed and the greatest Navi that will ever exist. What is special and unique about Moshe's Navi? Why is he different from every other Navi? He was I
1: mean, awake.
0: He speaks to Hashem to face, face to face. With every Hashem, other, in
1: a dream right.
0: or... Exactly. Every... And Hashem tells Aaron and Miriam the difference. He tells them, right? He says, Moshe is different. He speaks to me face to face while he's awake. Every other Navi has to prepare themselves, they have to wash their hands, they have to meditate, etc., and they go to sleep. And in, this, in a dream, they'll speak to Hashem, or they'll get some message from Hashem, right? Moshe Rabbeinu is unique that he speaks face-to-face while he's awake. But he says, at this point, Hashem says, not so close yet. Why? He's not there. It's just Navuah number one from Moshe Rabbeinu, right? So at this point, I'll t- don't come that close yet. Almost like, you're, you'll get there, but you're not there yet. When it comes time at Harsinai, Sinai, also Harsinai here also, but when it comes time, where does Moshe go? Moshe goes up in to the cloud. And right? Moshe goes really close, much closer than he does now. Right? So I understand why came Moshe comes close and he wasn't ready yet. He wasn't at that level yet. <laughs> is Sorry. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Um It's some type of like cloud thing up high in Harsinai. That Moshe Bini goes up into that space where Hashem has come down on the mountain, right? Hashem comes down before I see you know, onto this. He you know, like, the Shekhinah rests in some type of physical manifestation, right? right. There's a cloud, there's light fire, there's lightning, and you're not allowed to go, you can't go, no one can go on the mountain. Right? be Yoshua and Aaron, they're allowed to go a little closer, and Moshe goes all the way up. Right. So into that like, misty okay. place where Hashem is, whatever that means. Okay. Um, fine. What does Moshe do, if we didn't focus on this, when he comes closer, what does Moshe do after Hashem starts to speak to him? He covers his face, actually, right? So if you look at, sorry, if you go back to source number one, to Pasuk Vav, He says, I'm that God. Remember, you heard the stories about Avram, I'm that God. Moshe covers his face. He's nervous to look at Hashem. Okay? What do you mean? Moshe speaks to Hashem face to face.
1: Well, this okay. is the first time. Not the first time. Is, he's not yet come. Not yet.
0: Not yet. So, but you already see this, like, is interested. He's given the opportunity. He comes closer. But he kind of even himself realizes. Hashem tells him, like, not so fast. So he realizes, you know, maybe I should be covering myself. Right There's this, there's this coming closer and having experience, but not that close. Not that close. Okay? And then it says Ramban further, This is a holy place. He wasn't so close to the, to the bush. He's here, but he, he, he warns him. Because once Hashem has come down on the mountain, the whole area is Kadosh. Right? And even though he's not quite there, he's already on this mountain. Hashem is on the mountain. And now he needs to understand exactly where he is. And he points out also Right, and this is this is if you look uh, two lines in the bottom there, in the middle of the of the paragraph is vinekulo kadosh v'asor b'nidas Right, the, the whole area is is kadosh. You can't wear shoes there. V'kach amru b'chom al chom she'ashkinah Any place where there's shechinah, you have to take your shoes off. How do I know? V'chein yoshua v'chein kohanim lo shimshu b'mikdash alei yachefim. Right, the, the, the kohanim would take off your shoes because they are standing on the har bayis. They are standing in the in the kadosh. So that that's like a this idea of shoes off is, a, is a kind of teaching Moshe also. It's another part of his like, education. education in, in being in the presence of Kedusha. Something that Moshe has never experienced before. And so Hashem is sort of like pushing and pulling him. He wants to bait him to come close. Are you interested? Do you care? Is it something that Matt, are you going to notice? Moshe says, yeah, I'm here. Hashem says, great, but not so fast. <laughs> Let me tell you how this works. Take your shoes off. Stand a little further away. It's not going to be so quick, okay? Ben Bichai also says, similar idea that this is a, this is a like chinuch for Moshe. He's learning how to deal with Hashem. Rav Ben Bichai's source before says, "V'al derech inan ha parsha hazos ki Moshe he sig shlosha inyanim." Right? Moshe gets, he he comes to appreciate three things: ve'elohem ha'esh the fire. Right, he sees the fire, right, that, that angel that calls out to him, in the presence of Hashem. Itself. And like he t- takes it through each one. First he sees the fire. He sees this fire that's like hanging out in the middle of the bush, but nothing's happening. He sees it while he's awake. He sees it with his eyes. He realizes it's fire. He assumes it's an earthly fire. And if it's an earthly fire, what should happen? It should burn. It should it should burn. burn. Right. But he sees, wait a second, this is not earthly fire. And this is sort of like the first test for Moshe, is to recognize this is not something earthly, this is something beyond you. Right? What's the first test for Moshe? You're going to be sensitive to Kedusha. You're going to see something that looks different, and you're going to notice. Are you just going to keep, continue on your way, or are you going to really notice? And They, they had that experiment they did when they, Joshua Bell was like the most famous uh, violinist in the world, apparently. I didn't know that I read the article. But he's like, you know, concert violinist. And they put Joshua Bell in a metro station in Washington, D.C. And they counted how many people stopped to listen. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. He wasn't wearing a tuxedo. He was wearing regular clothes. So it was like one little kid and one elderly person and another, like six people like stopped to watch, three people put in money and like 7,000 people or t- whatever it was, 25,000 people walked by him. The night before, he sold out a concert hall to, you know, 1,500 people for a hundred bucks a ticket, right? Do you, do we stop to notice, right? Do we notice something unique when we see it or are we just so busy? We don't have the time. What's that job? he thinks to do? All right, so so let, let's see. Is he going to notice? Ha'esh, number one. Good. He notices the ish. Next step. Malach. Right? Look at what the, the next piece is underlined. So now he's going to see something also new. He's going to see the, 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 this angel. Right? He sees the malach. Right? First he sees the fire, and then he, and then and then the malach. And, and in fact, it's not until he called, he notices that Hashem even calls to him. Right? once his mind could adjust to seeing a malach, which itself is shocking. And then he sees Hashem, and that explains the language. Right? that's why it goes from malach Hashem to. Alright, Hashem is sort of like teaching him how to interact with Kedusha carefully. Carefully, slowly and carefully. Fine. Which I think is just interesting. And there's like very, very like calculated approach, even to how Hashem started to bring Moshe in. He needed to see if he was the right guy. Is he gonna notice? I actually heard another beautiful shot that, that I really like a lot. Well, this is actually one of my students in, in, in Y.U. Told, told me this. Richard. I forget who, if you quote it from anybody. We say, Asura Not he, he saw, Yah Hashem, he saw your oath. He noticed that Moshe went to look. What is the midah of Moshe? We always want well, the question, why did Hashem choose Moshe Amenu? And what, what, so there's a midrash, right? That the, the little shepherd the sheep ran away and he picked them up and he put them on his shoulders and he cared about every single sheep. That's very nice. It's a beautiful midrash. That's nice. But there, where does that midrash come from? It comes from the, the text actually of the first three stories that we see about Moshe Beno. What happens with, what's the first time we see him as an adult? As a baby, fine. But as an adult, he comes, he, he, he wakes up, he, he, he sees what's going on outside and he goes out to see, the language over and over again is Liros, right? To see what's happening with his brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, right? And each time and he sees, what does he first see? He sees that the Vayar, he sees the Mitzri beating the Jew and he, he looks both ways, Vayar ki he sees there's nobody there. And if you look in that, in that paragraph, I should have brought it for you, over and over and over again, the language is ra'ah, that Moshe sees. And, and Rashi each time points out that Moshe had, a, had an eye to look, to understand, to appreciate, to be sensitive. He had, a, he had this sensitivity in himself that he noticed things. He would pay attention. So I heard this beautiful shot and the Torah says, Vayar Hashem ki doesn't mean he noticed the snare. He's going to notice the snake. He's not going to notice the snake. Hashem's going to call to him. Hashem saw in his life that he was a sorrowful Rose. He's the type of person who makes notice of people. He notices the cha- challenges of other people. He notices their pain. And that's why Hashem chose him. Because he's going to be a person who's going to have to mm-hmm. be a leader. He's going to have to notice the pain of other people. It's a, it's a drush, but it's very beautiful. Fine. But nevertheless, this is stage number one that Moshe Benu is like getting a chinuch in how to interact with the divine. Fine. But I want to take you somewhere else. The Klyakar says something very different, source number five. Kliyaka writes, Asura na ver eh, number five, inyan lehit minam Asura na we said it means come close. And Rashi says it means come close. And Hashem says, back up. Klyakar says, no. What did Moshe want to do? He actually decided to step back. Why did he step back? Sometimes, if you step further back from something, you
1: see it, you more, see clearly. it more clearly
0: yeah. and better. Our natural inclination is to zoom in and to see details. We don't always take the perspective of to step back. And he quotes a number of examples. Right? He says, "V'lamad or Hashemesh," and he it gives a mashal from the, the sun. You're going to stare at the sun super close, you can't look at it. It's in the east of the west. But then, once it's the sun's setting, I can look at it a little bit better, right? It's not, as, it's not as intense. You couldn't look at it like that. You couldn't appreciate it from so close. So, you have to back up. Sometimes I can see Hashem better from Mirachok. And what does it say about Avram and Yitzchak as they're walking to the, to the Akeda? They look up and they see the mountain, Mirachok. Right? You're looking from far away. Sometimes you can have a better perspective. And Moshe understood the necessity. Sometimes you want to look close, sometimes it's better to take a look back. My, my nephew learns in Oteniel. Uh, and he told me, he, he sent over once on a family WhatsApp, uh, there's a poem by Yehuda Amichai called Nisim. And he writes in that poem, kodavar From afar, everything looks like a, like a miracle. But from close up, even a miracle doesn't look like a miracle. You're looking too close sometimes. You don't even realize what's happening in your life. You take a step back for a second. Take a deep breath. See things from further away. Have a better perspective on what Hashem is, you know, doing in our life. You said that in a speech inshallah. I said it in a speech inshallah, I did. Really? Yes, I said it once. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right yes, I, I did. The like that. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful. It was a beautiful. It's so nice, and it's perfect. It's a perfect it's yeah. like, okay. Bringing like Yehuda Amichai into the Torah. It's amazing. So uh, fine. So, which I think is an interesting idea, right? That sometimes when we step away of the law, we can actually see better. So there's the so the morning there's a there's a there's a coming close. Another hand is maybe this value of stepping back, which is interesting. Though, how do you explain? It? You know, how do you explain for the or why Hashem tells him to back up? He already backed up, so maybe he's saying, "You're good. You're that's the right thing to do. Stay a little further back. Fine." But there's another idea about this also, which I think is I think challenging, but worthwhile to read. There's a great great book called. The Rav Thinking Yalala, which I really like. a little controversy about it because it's literally the, it's literally the transcripts of talks that Rabbi Soloveitchik gave in the Parsha. I believe it's, it's transcripts from, its, uh, I forget the person who put it together, Holzer, last name is Holzer. He put together these things. They were not meant really for publication because they were just like the Rav talking. Right? And so the Soloveitchiks in general were very careful only to put things in writing. They like, were really careful how they wrote them. So the Rav, even himself, when he would speak, would always have notes, like very carefully crafted notes. So there was a little, I think, when it came out, I think it was a little bit of like a, you know, the Rav was very careful how he sp- spoke. And this is literally his spoken words. It's not, it's not, you know, as carefully crafted, but he has here a really uh, beautiful approach to this, to this exact issue. So uh, sorry, why, why do I like it so much? I like it because it's raw. I like it because it has some of this, you know, and the truth is, it, it has the Rav, you know, a lot of things that the Rav said are written in multiple places. So it's not the only place you can find this idea, but it's actually very interesting. So he asked the question, what does Altik Rav, do not come close, mean? Don't come close to this spot. Why did he tell him not to come close to this net? After all, he wanted Moshe to come closer and see this net. Moshe said, vera. and God told him Altik Rav. What does that mean? So he says there's two objectives in seeing. There could be two objectives which Moshe wanted to achieve by Asura Nav era, by studying the Sneh at close range. One, Moshe could have simply gained a sense of commitment, inspiration. Sometimes you see a mare, a great sight, and you don't have to understand it, but you can still get inspired. Inspiration and dedication to the people and their destiny. So va'er'eh may mean, I want to see you, I want to get inspired, it's beautiful, I want to enjoy the beauty to get inspired. But sometimes va'er'eh means I want to understand the rationale. Why was it necessary for the covenantal community to come to Mitzrayim? Why did the Almighty expose the members of the community to oppression and slavery? Why was it necessary for them to pass through the crucible of suffering? Moshe wants to know, what's going on here, God? What's up? And we know that Moshe has this question because Moshe questions God. Right? After Moshe goes, we're going to see in a second, he's going to talk about it. When, after Moshe goes for the first time, what happens? Does the power respond well? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Well. Power makes it worse. <laughs> Harder. Right? You're going to get your own, your, your own straw, your own this. And Moshe comes back to God. He's like, wait, what? You, what is, and he starts literally screaming through Moshe. You said it's going to get better. Now you made it worse. Now they're now listening to me. Now they hate my guts. Right? And God's like, Yo, slow the roll, Moshe. Like, chill out, buddy. Like, you don't, you're not the boss here. And you don't know how this goes. But before he even does that, even at the beginning. So God told him. If you want to just see the beauty and the grandeur, you are welcome. You can come as close as you want. Because the closer you'll be, the more inspired you'll be. But if you'll try to understand the rationale of Jewish history, so then I'll take Halom. Don't try to come too close to the Halom. Jewish destiny will always remain a riddle which no human being will be able to resolve. na na'alecha. Take off your shoes. Abandon your usual everyday stance. Your routine process of understanding, analyzing, and conceptually. I mean, take off your your thinking cap a little bit in a sense and take off your the your what you're used to in the world. I'm a, it's a beautiful Jewish, right? I'm a skodish. The grandest holy the destiny of the Jewish people is a mysterium magnum. Different categories are necessary, new methods, as yet unknown concepts must be applied in order to grasp the concept of Jewish existence. And he has a little bit more here on this also. And he basically says, and this is the part that I think is maybe the hardest, is that he talks about um, why asking why is so difficult. The Rav was, I would say, famous. Uh, the Rav would say, a Jew asks vus, a Jew asks what? A Jew doesn't ask far vus. A, a Jew doesn't ask why. Except on Tishvah. Tishvah, we're we'll allowed to ask why. And the Rav wrote a lot about why well, in Tishvah, we have the license to ask why. It's the one day where we ask why, even though we don't have an answer. But we say why, why, why. why right? We're we'll allowed to ask why. Um, but
1: why
0: are you allowed to ask why? Though? On Tisha B'av, it's a whole, yeah, whole question. Why you can ask why on Tisha B'av. but um, but and again, and it, what he really means is not that you know that it's forbidden in a certain sense. Sometimes people are in so much pain that they ask why. Obviously, they, and they'll ask why and say, "I don't, I don't know the answer, but I have to say it." Right? It Doesn't mean it's forbidden mm-hmm. to say the word. The person feels you know uh, overwhelmed by all kinds of things. Someone's be asked the question why, but the Rub's point is that there's not gonna really going to be any value sometimes in going after the why. It's not going to help us, right? And look what he writes, and and he uh, he says something very very strong here. But I, but I think we we've been learning together long enough. I can show you this. You know what he what he says here, right? Um. So look look on the sorry. That, can you tell these are two separate pieces? The bottom yes. like the bottom piece. So the bottom piece is the first full paragraph. When you ask the question of why, you see where I am on the left side. No. When you ask. Oh,
1: it's on the next, next page. page next sorry,
0: page. next page. Sorry, next page. Sorry. <laughs> it's testing you. It's testing confusing. you. So, where are you there. there. Okay. Got it. Right, when you ask the question of why and you try to interpret the question of why why Shabbos? Why Koshchuris? Why Tefillah Bechoyom? Why Kabiri Avicha Vesimecha? Why you have to honor your father and mother? Why those Why can I murder? To answer it, there are two alternatives. Once you pose the question of why, you get two results, both of which are negative asking why, so so now people are questioning the basic principles of morality, they were dealing a lot with the question of homosexuality, which is a big shaila and it's a big difficulty for us in the world, but there's all kinds of things like that, it's not the only example, there are are tons of questions, he he mentioned earlier the Holocaust, there's all kinds of questions that we have no answer to, and they're extraordinarily painful for people, and they're so difficult, it's horrible for families, and he goes, you're going to ask the question why, and you get two results, you'll obtain two results, one result will be kfira. since I don't understand why, so I abandon it. Right? This is the answer you get, right? Since I can't understand why, so this is just, I, I can't do it. And that happens for some people. They, they try so hard to understand the why, and it just makes no sense. It's too painful. It seems too cruel, too horrible. And so I just abandon because I can't live with it. What I, what I like even more is the second point. Another way is you would sentimentalize all of it. And the rabbi's not into that. Why Shabbos? So you begin to sentimentalize it. Man has got to rest, if he doesn't rest, relax, he may lose his mind. I go to Florida if he can rent for once a week, one-seventh of the time in Boston, right? So he's he just saying, so what do you get then? Platitudes, cliches, superficialities, cheap sentimentalism. His point being, and by the way, this is not to go against what we do all the time, which is you try to understand the reason for mitzvot. And the Chazal did it a lot. The Bishon did it all the time. What's the value? What's the message? Of course we do that. Of course you got to find the message. Right? But, but what we don't do is say that I understand exactly why Hashem decided this or that or the other thing. Right? The Gemara even says, right? a person who says, Hashem have, have, you know, uh, Rachmanas us on, us, like Rachman on the mother bird. So you say, us, that person gets taken off the bimah. You can't doubt it. From the mother why not? It's true, right? The answer is, it's not true. Because we think we know that it's because to show uh, Rahmanas on the mother bird. What would be more Rachmanas on the mother bird? will be more rachmonas than the mother bird. Don't take those. the eggs at all. Don't <laughs>
1: touch them. If you want to have rahmanis,
0: <laughs> so say you have to be vegetarians. No, I'm being serious, right? All of our, like, at the end of the day, so we can say, you know, there's a halachot, you can't shaft the mother and a child cow on the same day. Rahmanis, it's nice. Rachmonas would be, can't kill animals. Right? It's so like, at the end of the day, if, if we're going to say that those, our rationale and our reasons are the reason that we keep to our mitzvahs, Gonna, it's gonna run us. It's never gonna work for us. It's gonna either either you're gonna be real sophisticated, and you're gonna say that doesn't make any sense, right? And if, and if it depends on making sense, then I'm out. Or you turn it into like niceties, right? Because what's it really about? Of the day. It's about a commitment, right? Hopefully, a commitment that comes out of a recognition that a life of Torah is, is is meaningful. And look what it does for you. And look at how you can It can't be all oh, because Hashem said so. That's not gonna be an answer that's gonna work all the time. Certainly not for my kids, right? Like, no, no, no Hashem. It doesn't work for me personally either, just because Hashem said so. That's not gonna go in. That's not gonna. That's not gonna take it. You know, there's a beauty and there's a grandeur, and the rough wrote about that a lot, right? The, the importance of of the beauty of mitzvahs and the feeling of mitzvahs and the atmosphere of Torah. All those things are true, but his point is, if you're to get to the question of why, and you're gonna look for why to be a, to be, you know, the that which is gonna bring it home because it makes sense you're going to be searching for a long time and not going to find it and so what Hashem was telling Moshe Benu is come close but not too close I understand we're going to have a relationship here right but it's going to be a God-man relationship and a God-man relationship means you're not going to always understand and you're going to have to be okay with that and if you want to have that relationship there's going to be that, that, that line that you're not going to be able to cross which is difficult and it takes Moshe Benu a long time to, to learn it and, he, and I think he struggles with it always. We find Moshe Baini struggles with it even, right? He t- tells God to take his life later on in, when the people are making him too crazy. What are you doing this to me for? Right? Moshe Baini struggles with it, I think. And I think Amishal struggles with it and I think we all struggle with it. And I don't mean to present the e- it even as, and therefore just like, just do it. It's no problem. You know, just have that balance with no issue. I think that's a balance that we kind of, I don't know, I just kind of have to struggle with all the time. We want to feel close. We want to feel connected. We want... But then things happen that make no sense and things that happen that are painful and things that happen that are just too, too hard. And we say, what are you doing this for? And we don't get an answer. We're not gonna get an answer. And, and I think that's what the rub's saying is that's what, that was sort of the message that Moshe being. if you're gonna start you to be the leader of these people, you're gonna have to understand that conundrum and understand that you won't understand it. And if that, those are the ground rules, and without the ground rules, we can't move forward. You know, and that, that in a certain sense going to the rub is what, what what zachinuch in a certain sense that Moshe was being given. But zachinuch for Moshe, zachinuch for us, you know, kind of at the same time. Did Moshe have a choice to be, like, the
1: chosen
0: one? So Moshe refuses, right? He refuses five different times. He says, I don't want it. I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. And God, finally, by the fifth time, God gets angry at him. And he says, fine, I'll give half of it to Aaron. Right? He gives Aaron the Kongadol. He said, I'll have Aaron come and choose. So did he have a choice? Not really. I mean, it's not really. It sounds like not really. Hashem yeah. said, I chose you. And he's kind of, and he's kind of stuck. Yeah. Um, it's a good point. Um, he doesn't really have a choice. I mean, I guess in theory, he could have said, he could have sat there and refused. Maybe Hashem would have killed him. Maybe Hashem would have let him go. But Hashem, I guess, understood very well this is the guy he needed. And he's right, right? Um, he did a good job. But yeah, it doesn't sound like he had much of a choice. It's hard. It's hard to be chosen like that. It's hard to be chosen like that. It's not, this is not, Moshe does not leave. You know, I, like, I do like, oh, and I grew up, I want to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? <laughs>
1: Careful
0: what you want to do. That's such an easy life. It's a very hard life. It's yeah. a very hard life. Yeah.
1: And then he did not even get to go to Israel. He
0: doesn't even get what he mm-hmm. wants, and then he doesn't even get in, right? It's a, it's a very, it's a, you know, and his children, I think they'll go to so for his kids. Right? And his marriage. It, it, he is a, Moshe is a, a really challenging figure mm-hmm. to deal with. It's not his choice, like you said. And he, has a potential, which he fulfills yeah. to this very day. You know, Moshe is, is still Moshe Beno. Yeah. But uh, it's a challenge for
1: him. I wish we knew more about him. Like what made him one day wake up and decide he's going to kill a mitzri? I mean, this was going on every day of his life that the Jews were slaves. Why all of a sudden then? And then he runs away, he's a prince. Well, he he runs away He
0: runs away because he presumably because he realizes that they're all talking about him already. And, okay, and but... And Paro's going to get him.
1: He's a prince. Why would Paro get him? Paro killed Mitzris all the time. I don't like the way you looked at, you know, my that's a good wife... question. Well, ...off with you and, like, that's it. He should have been able to kill 10,000 Mitzris if he wanted.
0: Unless he decided at that point that he doesn't want that anymore.
1: Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, I wish we knew more about what was going on in his head that made him behave that day the way he did, made him run away, like... I mean, he has a it's complicated so up. He also has a complicated
0: upbringing in the sense that he's a Jew. He, he knows he's a Jew. Jew. He's raised by his mother, right? But then he goes back to the palace. Mm-hmm. But like, right. what? How? Right. How much did he know about so him, maybe who he, he was. was? So he just told- felt
1: like he couldn't be complicit anymore, living in the palace. But he really didn't have a place among Jewish people either. But then, why, when Hashem first sees him, is Hashem saying, "I'm the God mm-hmm. of Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov? Like. Who were those Tamosha like, the, the implication is the implication is that he does you know, know. In between to, he knew he but know. how connected did he feel you know towards them he grew up in the palace
0: I mean part of the, so, part of, part of the answer to some gave is that that's what he needed right? you, you couldn't have a slave lead the slaves out of Egypt mm-hmm. you needed to have somebody who didn't feel like a slave to, be, to take that initiative it's power you work at, someone who's been beaten their whole life it's much harder for them. To, in a movie, it's nice; they can they can rise up. But in real life, right, it's much different, more difficult for that, for that individual to raise other people up. Like there are there are exceptions, but he needed to be, you know, above. He needed to not be from that place in order to kind of take people that way. We are out of time, so I don't want to take people. Uh, actually but... why they
1: had the and that's why? He...